Welcome back to the BOMA. A podcast from the International Livestock Research Institute, where we discuss how sustainable livestock is contributing to development efforts in the global south. As you can probably tell, we are not Tim Ofeado. Tim will be back to hosting the BOMA in a couple of weeks, but in the meantime, we will be your hosts. My name is Elliot Carlton. And I'm Brenda Coromina. And we are the new Princeton and Africa Fellows with the International Livestock Research Institute. So with that being said, today we're talking about One Health. What is it and why should anyone care? So before we get started, what exactly is One Health? Okay, well, I'm certainly not an expert, but what I can say is that according to Ilri's website, One Health comprises the collaborative efforts of several disciplines working locally, nationally, and globally to attain optimal health for people, animals, and the environment. That sounds a little bit complicated. Yeah, I think you're right. And there's probably a lot of nuance to how that One Health definition may actually be implemented in practice. So with those questions in mind, today we're going to hear from Hong Nguyen, who is co-leader of the Animal and Human Health Program at the International Livestock Research Institute. He grew up in a very rural area in the north of Vietnam, and like almost all of the people in his village, his family grew crops and raised livestock. In Vietnam in 80s and 90, that was a very difficult time, I remember. It's really small-scale livestock. And, you know, we have a few pigs. Uh, we have uh, 10 or 20 chickens. We had uh, the so-called Muscovy duck in the family. We have a small fish pond. For me, now working in the other country, I realized that was uh, the time where Vietnam applies so-called integrated agriculture. We have the house for people. Next door, you have uh, all these animals living closely to us. And you have a fish pond to raise fish, but also you use this water to irrigate the garden of the house. That actually allows you to close a little bit the nutrition cycle in, in this kind of areas. When I grew a little bit more, my, my family had buffalo and cattle. And actually, I was in charge of keeping them after the school and also helping people to do this thing. And on top of that, we have the crop uh, activities, the rice. Uh, Vietnam is a big rice producer. So it was growing up around so many animals that really spurred Hung's interest in biology. And to begin with, he dreamed of becoming a medical doctor or a high school biology teacher. And he actually did end up teaching biology for a while in Hanoi. So how did Hung go from being a biology teacher in Hanoi to leading the animal and human health program at Ilri? Okay, so he eventually went to Europe to study, first in France and then in Switzerland. And while he was there, the idea of applied research, specifically in relation to public health, began to attract him more and more. I started with public health research, with Swiss Tropical and Public Health Institute, which worked in Southeast Asia and West Africa. And from public health, I moved to livestock on the aspect of health linked to the livestock. So he switched from focusing on just public health to asking how public health is linked to the health of livestock. And that really marks the point where he became interested in a One Health approach. Right. And I think those linkages are really the fundamental point about One Health. It brings together animal health, human health and environmental health. You need to put human health in the middle in relation with animal health and the environment. And 
whatever you do is really to bring these different disciplines to work together to improve the health of all these elements we are talking about. And by doing that, it really brings added value for all of us. You see, it, it brings the added value in terms of saving life of people and animals and also having a healthy life of the environment. But more importantly, I think that we need to talk about economic saving. By applying One Health, you can also save a lot of money for whatever, the country level, provincial level, or maybe at the global level. I suppose that's most obvious in so-called zoonotic diseases, which animals can pass to humans. If you keep the animals healthy, the humans stay healthy too. Yeah, exactly. And I was an economics major in college, so I'm really interested in this idea that in addition to benefiting the health of humans, animals, and the environment, One Health can also save money for communities around the world. Those economic savings are really important when we consider the benefits of implementing One Health at the community, country, or maybe even global level. That idea that One Health makes good economic sense came to Hung in a big way when he was studying in Switzerland. A team there took a close look at the case of brucellosis in Mongolia. Okay, brucellosis. That is a zoonotic disease in cartos and ruminants. And when the animals are infected, that causes abortion. And because of that, it causes the loss of animals and reduces productivity. To prevent that, the vaccine is available because it's zoonotic disease that can be transmitted to humans and humans can get sick. So the prevention is basically the vaccination. And most of the governments, they are not ready to do the mass vaccination for livestock in the country. And the example I show from Switzerland to show that if you vaccinate all the livestock in Mongolia, they show that the saving of costs for this type of intervention is best when you invest uh, in a one health way. It means that you vaccinate the animals and that prevents the disease jumping from animal to human. And in the same time, you save life for animals, so in, you increase the productivity. And from the human side, you, you reduce all this cost linked to the treatment if people get sick. And when you sum up all these things together, that brings a very big societal benefit. Okay, so from a public health perspective, there's clearly a tremendous payoff in vaccinating animals. But what Hung is saying is that economically, vaccinating animals can allow us to save on the cost of treating people too. Where it starts to get tricky is at the crossroads of different sectors. So, for example, vaccinating livestock is usually a question for agriculture departments, whereas treating people is usually going to be a question for the Ministry of Health. So One Health really requires an interdisciplinary approach to work. Though I can imagine that there would be challenges getting different sectors to work together, even if it is for the benefit of everyone. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And Hung has actually seen that up close. By nature, I think that human is not very good when bringing different sectors uh, to work together. Because you are in the discipline, you have the interest to promote those sectors. Maybe not uh, really conscious that you undermine or you reduce the partnership or collaboration with other sectors. So the understanding of other sectors or other partners and really share the common ground and you know, looking at the same purpose, at the end, it means that you improve the health for the whole community. And from that, people need to maybe step back a little bit 
not too much being too proud of your discipline or of your sector, even sometimes of your institution, because the partnership concept is so important in the sense that it's, it's not because I have a contract with you, so I have to do the job. It's really giving and receiving things. Uh, we work with an institution, I invest this thing, you do this thing, and at the end, we have an output or an outcome that will be shared for different partners to make this one better. I've heard that Vietnam has been very successful at bringing the different sectors, disciplines, and government ministries together to tackle the challenge of One Health. Is that also your understanding? Yeah, and I think that there's probably some really important lessons that we can take away from Vietnam as a case study. So when we look at Vietnam, what exactly do we see? I mean, why does it work so well there? I think that the One Health started in Vietnam really when we had this even influenza outbreak. And of course, that is actually even influenza is from the animal side. So people from the Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development, our short name is MART, they took care of that. And it jumped to human. And of course, that was the responsibility of Ministry of Health, the MOH in Vietnam. But of course, these two ministries could not work in separation. And very luckily, we had a strong international support of international community at that time. You have World Bank, you have ADB, you have EU, and actually they created the partnership of different sectors to work together. And I can tell you something interesting. In Vietnam, of course, avian influenza was bad for people, but it was good for the veterinary or animal health sectors because it makes them important. People look at them in a more important dimension when they work on controlling avian influenza in the context of Vietnam. And if I can interject here for a second, I would guess that beyond just giving veterinarians a good feeling about their work, the question of support at the highest levels must be hugely important too. The chair of this One Health Partnership of Vietnam has been always at the ministerial and the government level. On this meeting, you have always one vice minister of health, one vice minister of agriculture to co-chair together with some of the important development partners. The most recent development is, in fact, the One Health Partnership for Zoonosis in Vietnam had more than 31 partners to work and help Vietnam to promote One Health. It didn't stop at the even influenza. Afterwards, you know, it moved to the very relevant areas that we are working on. And you know, now we talk about one health, we talked about food safety. It's very important areas because you can see on this uh, health issue linked to the foodborne diseases. And this comes from animals. It linked to human consumption of on this uh, food and also the environment. So food safety is the first area. The second area, is obviously, is on this zoonotic disease and emerging infectious disease. We are- well, that's really interesting. But now my question is, and I'm not an expert on Vietnam, but I can imagine that getting animal, human, and environmental health people to work closely together has not been entirely without challenges, no? Let, let me tell you something about this uh, uh, intersectoral collaboration in one in Vietnam. We had a very strong collaboration between animal health and human health sectors. But the environment aspect or environmental involvement has not been very strong yet at the moment. And I think that now for the next phase of One Health Partnership, they really uh, strongly engage and bring the Ministry of Environment and Natural Resources, the Monre in Vietnam, uh, into this table to, to, to strengthen the One Health 
partnership uh, in the country. So to me, it seems like one of the biggest takeaways from Vietnam is that at the core of their success with One Health has been that high-level support. Right. And I think that's what Hung is getting at when he talks about support from government, donors, partners, and a focus on crucial strategic issues. There are several things. People have to understand that. The head of the institution, the minister, the president of universities, the director of research institute, the head of the community have to understand and support this thing because sometimes it's not obvious for them to understand and to invest in this type of approach. So that is the first thing. The second, sometimes it's difficult to see also how this credit of One Health is shared among the team. So in, in that discussion, sometimes medical doctors, they take a little bit of position that higher than the animal health people and even for the environmental people. So the credit needs to be shared in a more equitable way. Really, the resource mobilized from the country level to implement the One Health approach is also sometimes challenging. Because, you know, when you look at most of the developing countries, to do One Health, the resource mostly come from outside. One of the recommendations in Vietnam, for example, when we went to the meeting, a workshop, something like that, we always say that, okay, we have great support from international community and we wish to continue having that. So that is also time for this country to really realize that it's important for them to take One Health seriously and invest from their own resource. Well, from what we've heard, I wonder, how does a global pandemic like COVID change things? Yeah, that's a really good question. On one hand, One Health is probably more relevant now than ever before. But on the other, because of the pandemic, some donor countries are actually cutting back on their aid to developing countries. And this means that it's going to end up falling more on the individual country to invest their own resources. And on a slightly different note, your question is actually making me think about the kind of hot topic that is wet markets right now. I mean, a lot of people have speculated that wet markets could have been the original source of COVID-19. And that has led some people to argue that perhaps banning wet markets entirely is the best way to prevent future pandemics. So what do you think? Is this realistic or even a good idea? Okay, so I'm thinking it's not that simple. Hung is actually an expert on food safety and wet markets. As we learned in a previous episode, he went to Wuhan with the World Health Organization earlier this year to examine the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's hear from him. Is banning wet markets really a good idea? I mean, the short answer from me is definitely not. We, we should not ban or close the wet market. Because if you close or ban on this wet market, you now where people in developing countries go to find food, 80 to 90% of food come from the so-called traditional market. We don't prefer calling wet market very much in Vietnam. I would say traditional market. And when you move to a poorer country, that position of wet market is even much more important. So, so you cannot close this market. So if closing down wet markets or traditional markets is a bad idea, is there anything we can do to make them safer? can, you know, improve the infrastructure. You can put running water, you can provide soap and this kind of thing. So the thing can go a little bit further in terms of improvement. But one of the key things I want to mention here is uh, sometimes it's not about providing infrastructure and facilities. It's really the change of thinking, of understanding and of behavior of these people, not only the mid-sellers, 
but also the consumer. They should also kind of, you know, understand the system, uh, showing that they are smart buyer, putting a little bit pressure so that these people are selling pork or chicken in the market change also in doing better so that everyone can benefit at the end. Maybe they have to realize that paying a little bit more to get a, a better quality or, or safe, uh, safer food. Hung makes it very clear that there are not simple solutions to global health concerns. For example, we can't simply ban wet markets because, as Hung mentioned, that would eliminate 80 to 90 percent of food sources for people in developing countries. Instead, we need to see how we can improve the safety of these markets by investing in infrastructure and food security. And... I think his wet market example really demonstrates the importance of a One Health approach more generally. As you said, there are no simple solutions to global health concerns. These are really complex issues that we are talking about. Things like animal diseases, wet markets, and global pandemics. But I think that's also what ultimately makes One Health so important. If we take time to consider the relationship between environmental, animal, and human health, I think we're going to end up having a better chance at addressing some of these issues. Absolutely. And I think that's a great place to leave off for today. Thank you so much, Hung Nguyen, for talking about One Health at the International Livestock Research Institute. To learn more about One Health, you can visit the One Health Center in Africa section of the ILRI website and go to whylivestockmatter.org. And last but not least, thank you to our listeners for joining us today. We hope that you will leave us a review, and if you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe. We'll catch you next time on The BOMA. I'm Brenda Coromina. And I'm Elliot Carlton. <laughs>